0: Right at the Fork is brought to you this week by Whole Foods Market. Local summers just taste better. This summer, get local at Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find your local store.
1: Well, you're listening to Right at the Fork. This is Chris Angelo. Uh, talking to some of the people who make up our food and, in this case, our cocktail scene, drink scene. There's so many aspects to the Portland food world, as we call it, um, and so many people doing fantastic things. Uh, one of them is Dave Cheneau, who is with us today. This guy knows a lot about what's going on in the craft cocktail industry. But what's really interesting is you'll hear that he started his career. He's the only one ever on this podcast to have said or admitted that they started their career at Applebee's and Chevy's. Um, and he ha- he learned enough there to decide that he enjoyed it enough to make some contacts and eventually became knowledgeable enough to become the president of the Oregon Bartenders Guild. He also is the co-founder of Portland cocktail week and you can find dave most nights or often on the corner of broadway and columbia at the rookery which is right on top of raven and rose it is without a doubt one of portland's prettiest restaurants uh they did an incredible job renovating an old building and moving it to its current site uh years ago and it's been open for a few years and it is truly one of the nicer places to uh, visit great lunch spot great happy hour uh Dave Cheneau runs their cocktail program and he, he's worked with some of our best bartenders in Portland and you'll hear from him now uh on the podcast and hope you enjoy it. He ran into Gary last night, he said, said Kotchka.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Kochka was amazing. I celebrated my birthday last night.
1: Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Thursday. Thanks for coming in the day after. Well, Thursday knew... is my birthday. Oh, oh Thursday. So, so up, her happy right. birthday. That's good. Uh, Twenty-two, twenty-three,
2: yeah, something, something like that. Just turned twenty-one. Good. Just figuring out how to. You've drink vodka. accomplished
1: a lot in yeah. in your years. Sure. Good for you.
2: Fifteen years of bartending, and I just figured out how to drink vodka. Kotchka. so good. Uh, paired with that food, just awesome.
1: That's you know everybody talks about, and I in, I've enjoyed it, but it's everybody's always talking about. Not just the food at Kochka, but the experience. Sure, the service is great there. And they're overdoing a tour. They're overdoing their uh, Kachka experience over in Russia, I believe now. I've seen it on f- Facebook. I think they're gone doing research. I love when chefs do research. Awesome.
2: Well, we had great service last night. And again, you sit with a group of people and everybody takes a, t- a turn toasting and doing shots while you're eating caviar i mean well, hard, it's hard to beat
1: you're fairly up this morning so that's good and you were out with a, a bunch of people where are your um where do you think some of the best bartending is going on in portland right now
2: i, mean, I think that there's individuals that are really killing it um alan aquai over at uh, st jack does an amazing job um you know they got I mean, obviously the the spirits uh knowledge over it over at um, whiskey library is almost possible to to beat you know those guys know everything on that back bar jordan felix and Mike Lober brown um pretty awesome uh I, holly pele is my favorite place to go get a drink though you know mindy just has such a great bar she just the hospitality is great and the drinks are always perfect
1: and, and it's a nice vibe over there uh, who yeah.
2: doesn't want to drink things out of pineapples i mean come on it's right. awesome um uh, you know, I don't know. Well, Where, you were out with,
1: Were you with Angel last night too? Angel. I thought. saw
2: Angel. Yeah, I, she was, she'd stopped by. They had just finished up over at Renata. Uh, said they had a great meal there. Mm-hmm. A, ate all the pasta.
1: So, what is it that makes someone an amazing bar? I mean, a great bartender. What is it that the difference between your neighborhood bartender who knows what they're doing and people like you? Uh, what have you? What knowledge have you attained, or what do you what do you bring to the the bar that others
2: don't? I mean, there's that there's the cleanliness and efficiency of movement, and then there's the hospitality and making people feel warm and welcome. Um, There's technique and making perfect drinks. You know, we talk about dilution and um, you know insulating the cocktail so that it tastes delicious. Yeah,
1: it really is science, and I I marvel at what I see and you know think. Wow. What's going into that cocktail? You know, when I make one at home and I'm not a big drinker, it's a couple of things, put them together, and oh, that tastes good. But the amount of detail that goes into the co- many of the cocktails, not all of them, but many of the cocktails that you make with droppers and a little shave of this and a little of that is incredible. And is that stuff that you pick up mostly yourself? Or watching others, or reading. Where do you there's
2: a, there's a combination of all that. You you definitely watch your peers. I mean, the internet's a, a beautiful thing for learning anything now, um, and there's some pretty outstanding stuff going on. Um, but you know, it's you about it's YouTube, about balance of flavors. You watch
1: YouTube videos to. I
2: have them, make yeah, a drink? I've watched YouTube videos. I've watched uh, Japanese animation videos on bartenders, um, in the past. You know of um, the the Diageo world class cocktail competition that goes on every year they they do a great job shooting videos and you can see the details that people are putting into cocktails I mean they're they're doing things like making edible glasses you know there's stuff that's just going way off the charts people are doing Um, to me it's about simplicity about balancing uh, delicious flavors you know use pay attention to every single ingredient make sure every single ingredient is the best it could be from the ice to the to the sugar to the spirits um, and then balance them. It's more like baking than it is like sauté. You look in the kitchen, you know, it's more like uh, precision of, of, of technique and, and measurement um, rather than putting ingredients together until they taste good. You know, um, and we spent a lot of time, even yesterday before we went to Kashka, uh, the bar team got together and we sampled, we made all the drinks that are going on the summer menu, taste them, sample them, talk about them, um, pick the gin for the, Collins, or pick the um you know which which whiskey which single barrel works the best in the old-fashioned
1: is there a general consensus amongst you or do you have disagreement no i think oh, it's yeah, better talk, and then and then it's your call it's your bar right right right.
2: well we talk about it and i take votes and, and then at the end of the day i i make the decision but i've got a really amazing staff really mature uh group of people um and uh i definitely heed their advice when we're talking about what's going to sell and what people like and What's delicious? Deliciousness is such a a big subject.
1: And does deliciousness <laughs> deliciousness? By the way, we have some Pips donuts nice. over there. Speaking of delicious, Pips are exactly. Um, does deliciousness always translate to sales?
2: Absolutely not. Nice. Um, sometimes uh, simplicity is the is the translation to sales. Um, you know things that uh, people know and love. You, it's kind, of, it's kind of an interesting thing for me. My goal is to make to take a drink, say, a Moscow Mule. You know, We just put the Moscow Mule back on the menu again after it's been on and off for three years, and, and we go out of our way to source this ginger ale, uh, uh, Blindheim ginger ale, just to go in that. Um, and the goal isn't to like, blow people's minds when they get that Moscow Mule. The mind-blowing happens when they go to another bar, and it's not quite as good. You know, it's kind of like a delayed response for them, Uh, and that's kind of things are exciting. So we look at every single cocktail, and we we try to create that experience. You know, the the Irish coffee, the old fashioned, um, our mai tai, um, our mint julep. You know, you have a mint julep with us, or you know, sazerac or whatever it is. You have a mint julep with us, and you go, wow, that was really that was really great, and the service was great, and you know, you. You, you switch your mindset to the other things going on around you, the environment around you. Um, but then when you go have a, you know, you want to have that experience again and you go to a different bar and you feel a little bit let down, that's the delayed gratification that we're looking for in a cocktail program. You know, we want people to say, well, that's good, but it's not quite as good as the one at Raven and Rose, you know.
1: So when you're embarking on finding that ginger, ginger, whatever you're putting in, ginger ale, yeah. ginger ale, what do you, uh, what's the process in finding the best ginger ale? And, by, and does this only generally go on in Portland? I'm learning. I used to think that, but no, it's, it's going on in other cities. Well, there's a lot of I, talent all over and
2: there. And I love the bloggers out there. You know, there's some um, Camper English is down in San Francisco, and I, wa- I watch what he does constantly. And, you know, he does. Uh, what's his blog? Oh, man. Well, I can't remember.
1: Camper English? We can look Camper it
2: up. English. is a He's a freelance writer down okay. in San Francisco. He's a spirits guy. I've known him for a few years. Um, you know, he he does a subject on finding the best grapefruit soda for a Paloma, you know, and he does his whole blog work on it, and he, you know, brings in 15 or 20 different grapefruit sodas, and he picks the one that he loves. And I watch that very carefully and read what it, what it is that he likes, and then I make a decision based on that, you know. So... The Mousse from, uh, 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 what's the Italian soda company? Uh, um, they do water. They do water and p- uh mousse. Pellegrino. Pellegrino. Okay. Right. And that, I'm glad I it, came up. Pellegrino. That was awesome. Yeah, I knew you knew. Um, but that stuff is is mind blowing. It it, it it changes the whole drink. Um,
1: the blood orange soda they have make I and by the way, as I said, I'm not a big drinker. I rarely drink alone. As a matter of fact. I can count on my fingers, but I keep Pellegrino sodas around just because I know I can be fairly, make a good drink when people Mm -hmm. come over just by mixing that with almost anything.
2: Sure. Yeah. So having those, having the right ingredients and then just keeping it simple makes a big difference. You know, you look at a drink like a Paloma um, and it's basically, we just make ours like a margarita topped with this really amazing grapefruit soda. And and, and so the bloggers, you know, the people who are doing out there doing the research themselves, I I follow that and I watch that and and pull ideas. And they're watching you too. Yeah, it's kind of a you know symbiotic relationship. You know, I've always paid very close attention to cocktail bloggers and what they're doing. Um, Paul Clark's another one that I just always follow. He's up in San Francisco and just does an awesome job.
1: Do you spend a lot of time uh, conversing with them via social media, via Twitter, and? back and forth in the past. I've
2: recently, I've been trying to to spend less time on the social media and more time on myself, but, um, but yeah, in the past, definitely. how do you
1: balance that though? Because part of restaurant marketing and bar marketing now is that, right? So, and you see a lot of chefs and bartenders tweeting out what they're making and that's marketing,
2: right? No, I mean, I, on the I, other hand, you, you got to pay
1: attention. And on the other hand, that eats into your personal time because you're working hard and yeah, you do have time when you go home to post this and do that. And as you said, you're trying to create some balance. Right. I mean,
2: it's a grind. I mean, you start you start adding those layers of um, you know, put some pressure on yourself that you have to you have to put a post out, you know, you create this pressure um and it becomes a grind. It becomes difficult to do. Um, but
1: I saw uh I think it was Natalia. Yeah. Yesterday posted, I'm now sick of hashtags. <laughs> right. And, uh, a- 86 I understa- hashtags. I understand that. <laughs> right. Because um, right. it, it gets a little tiring to do that.
2: Well, as soon as you start talking in hashtags, you know you're in trouble. Yes. and, pe- and pick up a book.
1: And then the worst is the, the, the advertisers who think it's cute, and they're doing commercials with hashtags now. Sure. I mean, not just mentioning them graphically. They're talking them, right. which is crazy. It reminds me of the, um, I think it was the... Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he runs into a woman who spoke LOL. It was, <laughs> it was actually one of the funniest things I've ever seen, but because I can't stand LOL. Right. So hashtags I didn't like, and now I do, but we're getting away from bartending, but it's part of the whole food and drink world now, sure. that social media aspect. So let me ask you, um, there are lots of different types of bartenders. So you're, I, I consider you and folks like you Artists, because you're really thinking about what you're doing, you really care about every little detail, and as you said right at the top, being a great bartender is also uh, being good with people and interacting, and that's part of that experience, yet there are 98% of bartenders in the country or the world that show up, they know how to mix a quick drink and talk a good game, and they make tips, and they go home. Yeah,
2: clock in, clock out. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely a thing. I mean, uh, for me, we like to think of the day when the when the bartender was, a, you know, a, a key to society, you know, looking just before Prohibition. These guys were, uh, they're, art, they're artisans, you know. They spent their entire career. We don't grow up to be bartenders, um, and the bartenders these days have been, over the last 20, 30 years, have been, it's something you do while you're trying to do something else. Um, I think that's changed now. I think that I think that there is a craftsmanship and there is a professionalism in the industry. Um,
1: you think that's in, that is something that's going on in Portland?
2: I think it's worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, I think everywhere.
1: But more so in Portland, maybe. I'm just trying to. I just think there are a lot of a lot of people who are artists and do food and drink things here that I see because it's a very artistic. Community. Right. Well, and we you have access doing, to things. Right. The other, access. other communities don't. So I just have. think there's, it's a little stronger here, and I may be wrong. I know. We would just
2: go to our grocery stores, and then go to a dip, another gro- a grocery store in another city, right, and I go, go, tell go to Whole Foods or whatever, and and you can, and the you know, whoever buys their citrus in the wintertime just blows my mind. You know, they have Whole Foods amazing. Yeah, they have. Amazing, we love the
1: folks at Whole Foods. Oh yeah. Just so yes. oh,
2: Well, I do too. I mean, the uh, you know Whole Foods market. Our access. Whatever. Our access to two ingredients here in the Pacific Northwest is outstanding from the local spirits, wine, beer, water, um, you know, these things. Are
1: blew my they. mind. One of the big, and I love Oregon. I moved here because I loved it. And Portland completely blew my mind, the difference in the grocery stores and the access to incredible stuff. We used to get a stop and shop. That's about what we had, <laughs> right. where I came from. And it was just the same. It was very, there was no local I didn't know about local till I get out of
2: yeah, here. For me, it was Harris Teeter in North Carolina as well. <laughs> right, or, right or, so,
1: or a Piggly right, Wiggly if you're from somewhere around there. But it's, you know, there, there was no mindset. And I know it's 10 years later since I've been there, so I'm sure it's caught on. But there was no local mindset. And you're bringing it right into the bar, right? So it's very important that you're... You know, you have Jacobson salt and and, sure. and, and be local honey and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. It really makes a difference.
2: Yeah, and those ingredients make a difference. I mean they do they do increase the price of the cocktail toward to the customer. You know, there are we do get complaints that are we have a Manhattan or an old fashioned that's fourteen dollars or why is it so expensive? Well, it's because we're putting this single barrel bourbon or whiskey that we and then we're putting some fancy Demerara or, or Muscovato or evaporated cane sugar and and we're going out of our way to get the mint from the farmer's market. Um, these things increase the price, but, uh, I think holistically, I think that there's a trend towards drinking less, but more quality when you go out, you know, I think that's part of a mature, you know, the audience is becoming more mature in that way, so they come out and they have one or two cocktails rather than five or six, and they but they have this great experience within that cocktail. It's pretty neat.
1: So, are people? You have a really special place over there, the oh, Rookery yeah. above it's Raven amazing. and Rose. The building is beautiful. Yeah, it is absolutely. So, are are you serving cocktails that are people just ordering cocktails mostly? Are you pairing with food? Are you mindful of that? How's that? How does that mix go at a beautiful place like that? Because you're in one. And when I walked up to that room, when it before it opened, or just when it opened, I thought this is a this is a place I'd want to uh, meet and be right. So it's a great meeting place. And are the backgammon? I haven't been there in a while. It's are,
2: a pool. Yeah, the pool table and in the back corner. The, so it's the rookery bars in the old hayloft and, uh, and and the lads' old carriage house. It's his garage. And I, I like to think that the energy in that room is so great because of all the rolling around that happened and the hay back, back in the day and that, lo- that loft. So you, you walk in and you can feel the energy of the room. Um, and really the, co- we do sell more cocktails and more spirits than just about anything, uh, Raven and Rose. Um, that, and those cocktails are kind of meant to be an experience and stand alone. Down in the, in the dining room downstairs and on the, the, the patio, uh, we're doing, uh, More low-proof, more approachable, uh, food-friendly kind of cocktails. So it's a little softer in style. um, Maybe more bitter, but softer in the alcohol frame of mind. Um, As far as pairing, I mean, I I still believe that beer and wine pair pair better with food than cocktails. I think cocktails are before and after uh, the dining experience. We have done some spirits dinners and some cocktail dinners, um, but it's hard to beat a really well-made w- wine, you know.
1: So regarding local, we've you've, you've got some great distilleries here. Absolutely, yeah. And so um, they have generated a lot of attention nationwide, Sure, I think. Are there... Uh, do you go out of your way to work with them? Or let's face it, you've got a, a wider variety to choose from if you're going outside of Portland. Sure. But So you're trying to... Are you necessarily, you know, obviously not in all drinks, but some drinks trying to highlight the Portland, Portlandicity of it?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we, there, there's, I picked my favorites um, from Portland, um, and we really utilize those. We just put Aviation in a, in a Lavender Collins because it's just the right thing to do this time of year. Um, and then we also got there. That's from House Spirits, and they're right over on Southeast uh, 7th, and uh, they're actually moving to a great big distillery. And tasting I tasting room. I it's going to be great. I
1: particularly um, love their coffee liqueur. Right,
2: we and we we bought a whole barrel of aquavit from them just recently, and it just hit the liquor store shelf, um, and uh, it's it's barrel strength, it's gas strength aquavit. Which what is, is aquavit actually? It's made just like gin, but the uh, botanicals are caraway and star anise, um, and then this one specifically is aged in a, in a pinot noir barrel, and I think it was a little over two years, um, and we're. The, we, we bottled it 121 per, percent, um, 121, uh, proof, not percent. And, uh, we're putting it in our cocktail starting this week and it's really amazing, really outstanding stuff. And so we took the whole team down there and we tasted it together and then picked the barrel and we bought the entire barrel. So we have consistency in the product throughout the life of the cocktails that we put it in, which is really kind of a fun, a fun thing. We're doing the same thing with ransom. We've got an old Tom barrel coming, um, and you know, they're down in wine country. Um, and old Tom is like a sweetened style of, of gin kind of between the Genevers and the, and the London dries of, in history, you know, and that one's aged in Oregon Oak, which will be pretty cool. You know, you've got the old cocktail books calling for, uh, old Tom and drinks like the Martinez and the, and the Collins, the Tom Collins and stuff like that. So. so
1: how long will it take you to go through that barrel that you got from the uh, house? It
2: just depends on how many people come in and get that cocktail, you know. There's um,
1: But generally speaking, how long will that Yeah, there's about two
2: hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty, depending on the proof of the final product uh, bottles in a barrel.
1: Oh that that lasts you a little while. It
2: lasts a little while. But it's really great because mm. we buy that whole barrel and then we're able to ensure the consistency of that product through the life. The hardest thing for the small guy, the small distiller is to when you're talking about aging product is to do is to make it consistent because each and every barrel is totally different and based on where it was sitting or the, how the tree grew or whoever it's made it. It's probably a
1: wrong. little more accepted locally to have a little variation, but when you start going big and national, you have to yeah, get I mean, to. Yeah.
2: Variation's fun too. I mean, some, there are definitely brands that, that are trying for variation. They want seasonality, um, that's why the big boys are able to be so consistent. That's why Makers Mark tastes the same every time, no matter what, because mm-hmm. they make so much of it and blend it together. You know, so so are you, do,
1: you, do you do cocktail classes?
2: Yeah, we do one every month. Um, I've been doing cocktail classes since I started to work. at. I, mean, I worked at Roots as one of my first restaurant jobs up in Vancouver. Um, I did a cocktail class there. Back then, it was more about flair and magic tricks than it was about delicious co- balanced cocktails. Um, but we do it now we we teach the difference between shake and stir and uh you know the details of making punch and throwing a party, but we have a good time it's uh it's not is a, it
1: a is it a series or is it a one time class or on a certain particular topic
2: um we've been doing the one o one class the most because people just keep wanting to come back for the same class and mm-hmm. want to hear the same thing again but then we also uh we always add in something f- you know for us uh blind spirits tasting or Talking about gin, or talking about agave-based spirits, or brandy, and or 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 Ode-Vee or bitters. You know, um, we do that for us. So every class is a little bit different.
0: We're going to take a break here and have a brief word from our sponsors at Whole Foods Market. I don't know if you guys know this, but Whole Foods has been supporting their community and their local businesses for for eons, as long as they've been in business. And uh, we have a little clip here from Denise Braley, who's the local forager for Whole Foods Market, talking about one of her favorite finds, uh, Heidi Ho vegan cheese. And some of you might know Heidi Ho because she was on Shark Tank uh, about a year ago. And so Denise talks a little bit here in this clip about discovering her and what happened next. I found Heidi at, a, at
3: the PSU farmer's market She'd only been in business for a few months, and um, her products weren't on the shelf anywhere. And she is now not only in all of our stores in the Pacific Northwest region, but she's in many of the Whole Foods market stores nationwide. You know, the race doesn't stop. Heidi being committed to working with us and, you know, getting her product in front of our customers and being in store doing demos and all those kinds of things. But, you know, one of the, well, we've actually given Heidi two loans and the second loan she got was um, used to help build her new production facility, which is here in Portland, you know, near the airport. And so that new production facility allowed her to increase uh, production levels so that she could support having her product in many of our stores nationwide.
1: So could someone come in like me who's a complete novice? And My father was a great bartender, as a matter of fact. Oh, nice. Home bartender, but he made a lot of, put it this way, he made a lot of drinks in his, <laughs> in his life. Five o'clock, there's the ice, you could hear it in the glass every night consistently. Sure. Um, that wasn't me, but could someone like me come in? take the 101 on one class and leave at least feeling like they could be respectable amongst their friends?
2: Well, I think we will leave being excited. You know, I think you'll go, you get home and you'll be excited to try to make something, um, to, to utilize the, what you've been taught. But I think if you can walk out of there, you know, having had a great time and pick up a couple pointers along the way and be excited about cocktails, that's really the only, the goal, you know, I'm not trying to create bartenders in an hour and a half. Um, But you go home and you and you feel more confident picking up the shaker, and you and you understand a little bit more about balancing the sour, you know, and the sweet or the strong and the bitter. Um, It's worth it.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. So, how did you get it? How did you become a bartender? I would. I'm just gonna guess (laughs) it was what you said. Starting, it's like a way to get through doing something else.
2: Yeah, but basically, it was. You know. my, my first job was at Applebee's, uh, and well, well, prior to that Chevy's the
1: first one on this podcast yeah. to say that, and you yeah. added Chevy's to the mix yeah,
2: Chevy's. Well, really? Chevy's was awesome. When I worked there over at Tannisborne, they had a, an entire, <laughs> you know, there's a small village working in the kitchen and they were making everything by hand. You know, it was a, a pretty awesome, really? awesome restaurant. Um, how but I, I, I care that so
1: that was over 10 years ago
2: yeah i'm 36 so as of thursday and I, I, I started in the restaurant industry when i was 18 so okay i've basically been doing life. this yeah doing this my entire adult life um and it started there and i and I, I will never look back and think that that corporate training wasn't worth it you know it helps me in everything i do but um when i was at applebee's the bartender there was so cool you know his name was kevin i'll never forget him he He was about five foot six and, uh, he, he drove a Mustang and everybody who came in the bar was looking for him every single night. And, and I was serving and I just wanted to be as cool as he was. Uh, he did the thing where he flipped the bottles just before he poured, you know, and that show and that engagement and that entertaining value, um, you know, Are you still in touch to with me. Kevin?
1: Does he know what you're doing now? Does he know? No, I haven't seen
2: no, I haven't seen him for for twelve years. You Should look so, him
1: up on Facebook. I'm sure he'd like yeah. to know that you're one yeah. of the, one of the key players <laughs> in the Portland. I mean, that would be gratifying for him to know. I would. No, think. He's a
2: cool. He's a cool guy. Um, but you know, we we did a flare competition together after I was bartending for a little bit. Applebee's flare competition, and um, I kind of took that stuff very seriously for a little while, and and then I found delicious balance i found uh classic cocktails you know in, in fact at, at house spirits with with christian uh, um, when lee medoff was still there before he went off to do uh, bull run distilling and uh, the two of them together made me cocktails at the distillery and it was an aha moment for me like wow this is they could actually be delicious you know you you use fresh juice instead of pasteurized juice and you you, you, you measure specifically rather than free pouring and flipping, um, and you can change somebody's outlook on it.
1: So that, when was that? So that was your, I was a 2006 we, we once in a or seven, the right at the fork moment. Here. Yeah. That's, that's so definitely that what it? that
2: was. Yeah. That was 2006 or seven. And we went to Pock Pock. I went to Pock with Christian afterwards. Um, first time eating there. And, uh, the following day he hooked me up with Kevin Ludwig, uh, and Daniel Shoemaker, uh, you know, and I, I applied to, to work for both of them. Uh, Teardrop Lounge opened, and within, within that couple weeks period, and I went to work there. Um, and then three years later, Beaker and Flask opened, and I went to work for for, for Kevin. So um, it was kind of that house spirits right at the fork moment that got me into crafting. Cocktails
1: and Kevin's a great guy to work under. I just was out with someone I don't remember last night who'd been to a lot of my Portland Food Adventures events, and we had one at um, Laurelhurst, actually at Sympatica. Sure, Uh, Kevin, it was a cocktail paired evening.
2: What a team that is, huh? The the three of those guys together in the same building—pretty
1: crazy. Um, But Kevin consistently, I hear from people, just does amazing things, and that. That night was really cool. Um, the there's
2: there's cocktails that I make still today f- for people if they sit at the bar and they want a, something that isn't on the menu or something you know different. Uh, that I basically pull out my little book and it's got Kevin several of Kevin's drinks in there. I love making the salt and pepper or the yeah, the salt and pepper. That's what it is. It's a gin and peshods cocktail that he makes and you know the things that I learned flavors wise from him. Um, and hospitality wise for him, you know continue to be cornerstones of what I do.
1: well, you had quite a thing going at beaker and flask then too. I remember being yeah that was early on in my love of what I learned to love all that was not all, but so much of what was going on in Portland and uh, beaker and flask was inspirational to me in terms of. The experience and what it was like, and uh, and I didn't know anybody then. I didn't know who Ben Benny was. I didn't know who Kevin was. I didn't know who you were. Um, I, you know, you and I met at the Northwest Food and Wine Festival. You probably met six six hundred people that night, but we had a nice conversation. I really enjoyed it, and uh, that was fun. So that was, uh, and that's the cool thing about Portland is how you you run into people. I mean, I was at Pips this morning, right, and I ran into Jose Chesa. Oh yeah, just driving up. Hey, Chris, and we're nice. good buddies. We're doing a, a, thing together. That's the beautiful thing about this Portland food scene. And even this morning, talking to Gary, he said he said, "Who's going to be the other guest?" Because we record two, when sure. we record them. And I said, Dave, you know, I was just out with him last night. It's right. a, It's a, um, it's a. I like to think it, it's the 22nd largest city, but it's a small town at the same time. It's sure. the best of both worlds. Sure. Uh, what? Where did? Where did are you from around here? What got you? Well, you
2: know, I, I moved out here um, in in middle school um, from North Carolina, and I went to high school out in uh, in Beaverton. Uh, West, there are a lot West, of you West.
1: folks from North Carolina.
2: Yeah, and it's a it's a, a little bit of Scott blue Dolich. And a, a sea of I, red, I, we've talked to quite Portland, a few. And, yeah. It's interesting um, how that works. Asheville was a great, great place, and I love going back there. You know, if I was going to live anywhere besides Portland, it would be Asheville. That's but,
1: what so many people say, and it's like a little Portland. I is, haven't been there for Portland. about five years, but it was really neat. I had some friends who took me on the type of thing that I do when someone comes to Portland. You know, you don't stop. You're. you're sure. It's so fun to host people out here because you can just keep going, and they're freaked out well they did that in nashville too. oh cool that's right really
2: well the beer the beer scene out there's just exploded and that's I mean, that's water right that's that's in, accessibility to great ingredients happening but um yeah I mean the food the, the food and drink scene in the community here is is pretty outstanding um and you you mentioned you you asked me who the great bartenders are in the city you know watch out for Jesse cards new bar that's gonna be a a thing. Um, the I think it's called the Bit, Bit Bar. It's another historical bar um, that's right across the river, and they've taken, uh, taken the building and, and uh, redone it and re- reopened it.
1: Where was Jesse before? Where- well,
2: he worked for me for a little while. He works for Krusen, uh Rum um, in town, and he, uh, he opened up Knockback or took over Knockback and turned it from this kind of dance vibe, divy, thing on alberta to a place where you can get inexpensive but deliciously well-made cocktails and i think that's what they're going to do over there across from from dig a pony and koshka and all that
1: oh that's that's a pretty cool area i think it's called bit house, yeah. bit house saloon trifecta oso yeah. is a great yeah, oso market is just an awesome place to hang out so. that's pretty cool i i often wonder is there just going to be saturation everywhere probably for just bars. a matter of time yeah well i think it's already there already is you know you can't have Everything's surviving.
2: Well, it just goes back to hospitality at that point, right? There's saturation, and then it it becomes, you know, who can create the best experience?
1: Consistently.
2: Consistently. You know, the training, um, well-operated, well-maintained, clean, um, comfortable, delicious.
1: So who else have you worked with? You mentioned Kevin. You mentioned Jesse.
2: Well, tier, else, that's, that's the Teardrop, was a, Teardrop mm-hmm. was, was a great place. We did, um, you know, Evan Zimmerman worked there, and he went off to do um, Woodsman Tavern and uh, the Italian Ava Jeans. Um, um,
1: a little spot called Ava Jeans.
2: Yeah, and, um, Ricky Gomez was from mm-hmm. New Orleans, and he worked at, uh, at Teardrop with me. He... Is now working as a national brand ambassador for, for Kettle One. He's down in Miami, on a boat probably. That's a,
1: that's a big. That's a, a big, big avenue for folks like you. I know Angel mm-hmm. Teta is Angel's with Envy. Angel's yeah. Envy, which is kind of interesting, yeah. and she does a great job. Actually, I met. She's her. She's a great bartender. Right, and what's going on with Nathan Girgis now? I haven't. Uh, Nathan He, he was is, tasked,
2: is, then. He was with Bacardi. What's he doing? It's a subset of Diageo that he's working for, I think um but it, he's got uh the Gay um line which is the artisanal single village mezcals from Oaxaca that he's he's uh pushing he's the president of the bartenders guild now mm-hmm. um and so i think it, the combination of those two things are keeping yeah. him quite busy
1: what happens with the bartender's guild what is that what is uh what, so the bartenders is, guild is started
2: for, uh at tear daniel shoemaker uh and i and kevin ludwig and um and, uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler all got together and, and built, tried to build this Oregon bartender's guild. It's now part of a subset of a national guild, the USBG. Um, but it was this independent kind of get together and, and build the quality, um, of, of bartending in the city, you know, that's 2008. Um, and then also, um, buying power was a big thing then, uh, the, the OLCC trying to get it. You know, we wanted to get Calvados in. We wanted to get mezcal in. We we organized the march for mezcal um, to try to get the OLCC to kind of listen to what we want and increase the buying power. Um, and I, and it was fun. I think it definitely worked. I mean, they're at the point now. You can see with Whiskey Library that they'll basically bring in just about anything we want if we, if as long as we can, we can sell it. You know. Um, and it, So,
1: uh, a podcast host walks into a bar, Raven <laughs> and Rose, says, what do I need to have here? Uh, your bar, what what drinks, and you're obviously going to ask me what I like, but overall, what are your, well, we what do sell, you think, what cocktails do we you sell think? We sell more
2: old-fashioned, the Sims old-fashioned for Simeon Reed, which was Lad's business partner. Mm-hmm. We sell more Sims old-fashions than we do cups of coffee or, or bread or or iced tea. Or and anything. is it
1: but you, do you wish someone would order something else? Is that something you say? Oh. No,
2: I'm proud of that. I, I think it's a really, really great drink. You know, I think that that's the drink you should, if you haven't had, you should. Um, and then our Irish coffee, you know, we're in, a, we're in Portland, which is the land of the Spanish coffee. And we're, uh, we're saying, no, you should try the Irish coffee. We put a, we put an Americano. We have, we have Spella espresso. Um, Spell of coffee. We put a a shot of espresso and then some hot water instead of, you know, that burnt coffee that some bars put in their drinks.
1: I won't uh, ask you which bars those are. Um, So, Uh, Applebee's. (laughs) Oh, now you're going to slam them. Before you were complimenting them. Now now you're going to slam them. So, um, favorite cocktails that you've had in Portland that you can remember in the.
2: Well, the coconut at a Pele is, you know, I get that. I go there. To get the coconut, the, the coconut, coconut. Okay, that's yeah, a 1940, 1945 tiki.
1: All right, everybody, plastic. write this stuff down. We'll we'll have it on the gotta, website. Got to go
2: there, and it's on fire, which is a bonus. You know, <laughs> Got to have a drink on fire, <laughs> yeah. um,
1: Espe- especially coming up in this hundred degree weather. Sure, have. the
2: things that Mike Shea does over at Rum Club, those drinks. You know, if if there's a drink on the menu with sherry in it, you should probably go have it. Um, I personally don't go to Rum Club. Um, and why not? I've 86 sixed myself from there. It's just too inviting, and it's <laughs> just too reason. easy. It's just too easy to get out of hand, and I, I, I want to appreciate. You don't my... seem
1: to me to be a guy who's going to get out of hand.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I probably don't appear out of hand, but I definitely will. Oh, it's also in the morning, right? Too. It's the next day. I want you know, I want the, I want to be productive in in my life. So
1: and get to your thirty-sixth birthday exactly. exactly. So any more, just a couple more cocktails, and we'll uh, and we'll kick, we'll eighty-six you.
2: <laughs> um well it's funny i i love i love uh the sour over at biwa um that's one of those drinks that i i kind of crave um i can't remember what it's called in the moment but it's a it's a i think it's a nika sour nika yeah over at, at biwa late night because you can you can get good food and have a good quality cocktail um man there's got to be
1: there's no shortage of cool places to go have a nice drink. I particularly love Expatriate. Oh, I I absolutely. really like the vibe. The daiquiri,
2: they have a daiquiri on the menu there from time to time. That um, is outstanding. Yeah, Expatriate's good. It's just, I live drink in Vancouver. There on the menu. I live in Vancouver, so Expatriate's kind of too far. It's kind of out of the way for me going home from downtown Portland. Well, I've made North it over Eastern there Portland.
1: and I live in Southwest and also have it's a, definitely spend worth a lot of time in Manzanita. So any place I go, <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm working to do it, but it's not, I don't call it work. It's, I want a margarita a right
2: now. Where's the best place for, where have you had a margarita? Do you,
1: uh, I can't, I, you know, I don't think I've, that's the drink I started with that and tequila sunrises in my life. Um, but I can't think of where I recently, I know I had a margarita somewhere that I really enjoyed and it's not coming to mind. You know, where's, you
2: know, where's, because uh, it never comes fish, to mind. Fish sauce is a weird, weird place to say margarita. The second
1: time that's come up in a few weeks. Oh man.
2: Fish sauce. They, they really do it right. That, that bar is, is well, well maintained and the cocktails are balanced and, and delicious. And of course the food is so what are you going to do 10. for
1: your, your real birthday to celebrate?
2: I'm actually going down to Bandon, and I'm doing a, a private cocktail class down in Bandon, so I'm going to try to play uh, nine holes of golf uh, on Friday. Very Thursday nice. Thursday is my birthday. I'm going to teach a cocktail class on my birthday and then try to play some golf on, on Friday. you
1: got a tea time. It's a hard, probably a tough tea time to yeah, get
2: right now. Yeah, yeah, it's early, but we'll make it happen.
1: Well, good. Well, enjoy yourself, and happy birthday. Thank you, sir. And thank you so much for coming in the night after you did up Portland. Really appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's and such a pleasure it, to be here, it's great. I think it's pretty funny that we had two folks who were out doing that uh, on the podcast on the same day. So, uh, and it's indicative of what Portland is all about, too. Sure. go out and have sure. a good time.
2: Yeah, well, sure. in, in An environment where you, you can't help but have fun is an environment we all want to be in, right?
1: It's hard, you know what, it's hard to not find a, a good place. And the other thing is we, I get brain freeze when it's where do you want to go it, there's so much stimulus that you can't even come up with an idea that's can't decide put it sure, that way sure. so but a good decision the rookery come see you yeah what nights are you there
2: i'm there all the time Every I, night. I usually get i usually get out by just after half the hour so um the rookery bar fills up nice for a happy hour and then we have live music on tuesdays and wednesdays um and i usually get out of there after that you know that I, i'm I'm, I'm leaning towards the administrative side of, of running a bar right now. Um, so I'm, I'm there early, putting things away and polishing them up. And
1: Well, know. good. Well, still, uh, people should get there and try your cocktails and uh, hang out. Yeah, You've got to hang out. The, rookery is, the
2: rookery is a blast, really.
0: Right the Fork is recorded in the beautiful studios at Alpha Media and expertly sound engineered by Court Johnson and produced by me, Heather Jones. If you want to find us, we are on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. We love ratings and reviews, so thank you to those who have done that. And please, we hope you'll continue to do so. You can find us at portlandfoodanddrink.com and portlandfoodadventures.com. And of course, right at thefork.com, discoverportland.net, and now at foodcartsportland.com. Lots of great places to find us. We're also on Twitter, Food Podcast, PDX, and of course, Facebook as well. Also on our website, we now have a donate button. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to see it continue, please donate and thank you so much.